Greetings, Kapla, and welcome everyone to our fan cast, where an adventurous rocket scientist, a Star Trek girl, and a sci-fi wingnut take an away team excursion from the Star Trek series Strange New Worlds and talk about the finale season of Star Trek Picard. We are super excited to geek out and talk about the show, so let's gear up, assume our stations, and hit it. I'm playing the part of Reginald Barclay on this episode of Strange New World Fancast. My name is SP. <laughs> Joining me is Changeling Starfleet Captain Bubbles, who is looking for her Laris Changeling counterpart. I like this idea. I'm, I'm okay with it. Okay, next. Also joining us is the man, the head of Starfleet <laughs> Section 35, Commander Klinger, but we'll call him Jake. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, so we've had five of these episodes in the can. We just watched the sixth one, but because we watched the sixth one, we actually got some stuff right. You guys ready to hear what we got right? What we do? He's a smooth talker, right? People who just like me, gamblers, low-level gangsters, fathers of daughters everywhere. I mean, that was just, he's just throwing that <laughs> off the cuff. That's a good line. He is the series Han Solo. But I do have a another thin theory, since they're going on this whole Star Trek II theme, that the DNA and the device that they're looking at is a new Genesis device. I think it has something to do with those episodes in TNG and the DNA. I honestly do. I think they... Which is why Beverly mentioned the word DNA. So we didn't actually get a lot of Vatic. Look... I still think she looked just having her sit there smoking her cigarillo on the bridge, having fun watching the other side squirm. I think that's great. So I think that's how we get Jordy LaForge is we go to the Fleet Museum. That makes sense. I like that theory. I don't think you see Moriarty until you see Lore. I, I'm still convinced that that's where he comes in. I think the crew will all get back together next arc because they've got to be going towards a, towards a star base to repair the ships and all this stuff, right? I think that's when you'll see Deanna come on. I think that's when Jordy will come on and maybe Worf will come back. And then I think they'll all be together dealing with the next arc that they have to do with. There still could be something interesting with how Jack came to be. We haven't lost a Star Trek main character since Data. Not in a, Yeah, not since Data. And Nemesis. Nemesis? Nemesis, Nemesis, yes. So now there's two ships that can't chase them. Shrike and now the Intrepid. Maybe they'll run into each other. Oh, the Shrike is coming back. I just thought of something else. An, an actual true artificial intelligence that we know is coming that we haven't seen yet. Moriarty. So, question for you guys. Are Riker and Picard still rooming together? <laughs> <laughs> I still want to see them put seven on the bridge of the, uh, the Vo of Voyager if they've, if they've got that one mothballed. <laughs> I think Beverly is going to find out what's going on with Jack or help him try to figure out what's going on. I think that'll be a key thing. I'm glad he opened up to his mom. That was a big dump. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, we got a lot right. I do have to say, because we, we ended with was 
Jack opening up to his mother and her trying to help him figure out what's going on. I do have to say that I think what's going on as far with him, with the whole medical thing being just genetic from Picard, it doesn't fit for me. With that said, I am really starting to like the character of Jack Crusher, though. I am too. The one thing that doesn't fit for me is he has these flashes and he turns into the super assassin. Like, where does that come from? Well, I mean, the only thing that we've seen so far in TNG, Picard, whatever, is how the synthetics reacted in the very first season. When they're turned on. Yeah, which is why I assume that's what he was. When they're activated. Well, either way works. But his mom actually examined him thoroughly. I think she would be able to tell if he was a synthetic or not. Oh, I, I, as I said, I'm pretty sure that they proved me wrong on that. That's why I'm saying that I'm not really satisfied with the explanation. But that being said, uh, the character himself is really starting to take off for me. Well, you know, in his visions, he keeps seeing the red door, but it turns out the red door is the, is the door leading onto the bridge. That's the only thing I've seen him look so far. When he, when he was in the hallway, when he shot the, the four last time. Remember that? When he shot the changelings. But it also comes down back, brings us back to round two. Why do they want him so badly? There's still that missing piece to the well, whole Well, now thing. I think we're getting into it. Whenever we discovered that it is Picard's body that was taken, right? Wait a minute. Am I the only one who found it morbid that one of the things they're keeping for scientific research is the remains of famous captains? I did, I did you see? It took me like three tries to go back and look at that, that they've got Kirk's body. Yeah. I don't know if they have any other famous captains, but we know they have Kirk and we know they had Picard, but we don't know about anybody else. Okay, so when, when you were looking at the projection where that data was displaying, it looked like that it was Picard with the Borg stuff on his face. But he didn't die that way, so why would they have that? I didn't see Borg stuff on his face. Actually, I didn't see that either, but maybe I missed something. No, may- well, maybe I'm wrong. I just, it, like I said, I didn't watch all the episodes multiple times, but it looked like it had the Borg on it. And can we give Starpie a shout out for calling that Genesis would be there? I mean, I know it's not really a plot point, but it was there. Yet. It was there. Yes. Yeah. There's lots of plot points to come. Oh, if it was going to be, they would have stolen it along with Picard's body. In fact, I think it's kind of stupid that they stole Picard's body and not Genesis. Oh, come on. The attack triples are the most important thing there. Okay, that was cool. (laughs) Watching work jump. That was pretty funny. All right. What we're talking about, by the way, before we get too far in, is Picard Season 3, Episode 6, The Bounty. It was directed by Dan Liu, who directed the past episode, the last episode and he also directed the Strange New Worlds episode, Memento Mori, the Gorn episode. We talked about that last time. It was written by Christopher Monfredi, who has 15 episodes of 12 Monkeys, five episodes of 911, and five episodes of Star Trek Picard, including season two, episode two, Penis, season two, episode three, Assimilation, season two, episode 10, Farewell, season three, episode two, Disengage, and season three, episode six, The Bounty. And of course, the showrunner for all of season three is Terry Metalis, who you can see every week, I believe, on the Ready Room. If you're curious as to his thought processes or what he just looks like, he's there on the Ready Room giving his tales of what's going on. All right. How is Picard's body a weapon? What do they need that body for? They need the DNA. 
so they can recreate more bodies so they can do the changeling stuff with it. I don't think they need, because supposedly they can recreate anybody after physically having seen them. Why would they need his body to do that? Then goes back into, even if, they, if they've got his body, what do they need Jack Crusher for? Yes, that's what I was about to say. So once again, I, I, I'm kind of at a loss on that one. I, I have to say, I really enjoyed this episode, despite the fact that it basically proved all of my assumptions incorrect. But that being said, it was a great episode. But we're still kind of left at the end with what the hell is going on. So Jack has determined to have a Romanic syndrome. I can't say it correctly. It's pronounced and spelled two different ways. Anyway, it's the same disease that John Luke had and ultimately really died from when it comes down to it. So Jack has this inherited from his father as well. Maybe it has something to do with that. But even then, you know. Jack is looking at it as though it's a death sentence, in which case it may very well be what he dies from someday. But remember, Jean-Luc Decades made it 90 some years old before it really even started to have an honest to God effect on him. Let's talk about Jack's celebration for a second, because he goes into the holodeck into 10 forward and he's no longer drinking the cheap stuff. He's celebrating. <laughs> he's drinking the good bourbon. Top shelf. Good man. He has a couple of great things to say back and forth to Jean-Luc, and Jean-Luc, I guess, comes in and he's actually playing dad for a change. I like the dynamic that we're starting to see where he's not, where Jack's not so hostile towards him, that he's not so standoffish, that, like, just like you've seen Beverly talk to to Jean-Luc about, okay, maybe you should start trying to build that bond with him. I think, I'm, I'm sure she's been on Jack's side of his ear also, telling him that this is it. You know, we may go off into the sunset and not see your dad again. But I like the fact that he's not so hostile towards him. I like the scene where he came in to sit down and told him all the things that he had got from his mom. But maybe there's some things I got good from you also. That was a good scene. There's a lot of good scenes in here. I would say another great scene would be the one that we see Seven and Jack in. Yes, that was a great one. I thought that was one. an excellent scene. First of all, it was fun just seeing the, all the old ships brought back. But that little emotional portion that they had together, the fact that he's kind of, I, I won't go so far as to say empathic, but as emotionally aware of the people around him as his father was. I like how they played the the themes for each one of the ships. Like when you saw, the, you heard the original Star Trek theme, and then you heard the Voyager theme when they were talking about it. I thought that was a cool moment. So we had a user over on Reddit, and I'll drop the link for you guys in the chat, but they went out and they identified most, if not all, the ships that were there. And the ships were identified from actually seeing it on the episode itself, the end credits for the season, as we've seen and we've That's been talking lot. about, and some of the ship plaques in season two. So just to run down all of them that are known... You're talking about the Enterprise NCC-1701-D saucer only, and that's hidden. We didn't actually see that. The USS Leon de Grants, which is NCC-2176, it's a Lancelot class that is also hidden. We didn't see it on there. I'm not sure exactly what the sorts of those two are, but those are there. There was a Nebula-class ship that's unnamed. There was the USS Bozeman, NCC-1941. That's a Soyuz-class ship. Right, wait a minute. 
the Bozeman was the one from uh, Next Gen's time loop, wasn't it? I believe so. Yes. I'll have to go back and verify that, but I think that's what it's ringing a bell to me. The Enterprise NX-01, of course, from Enterprise, that's Scott Bakula's ship. Kronos-1, the Tegdinga-class battlecruiser, is on there. And, of course, HMS Bounty, the Klingon Bird of Prey. Yes, the one that did the whales. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) And I got a kick out of the fact that they had to find it in the fashion that they did. It was kind of that they had trouble finding it as the cloaking device reactivated. Yeah. Okay. Guys, I got to say, this reminded me a lot about the National Museum of the United States Air Force. I don't know if either of you two have ever been to Dayton, Ohio. Have either of you two been to Dayton, Mm -hmm. Ohio? So the National Museum of the United States Air Force is at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio. And there is a legitimate bird of prey at the museum. Did you guys know that? I did not. Like shaped like this? All right, I dropped a link in the chat. If you can, you can go ahead and bring it up. But it was flown by the United States Air Force from 1986 to 1999, or 1996 to 1999. And it is, the actual bird of prey is hanging from the ceiling of the National Museum of the United States Air Force. And if you're listening to this afterwards, I'm going to put the link in the show notes. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's rather awesome. I did not know that. Yeah, it's got a great history to it, too. So, it, And did anybody catch that this old Starbase is actually considered part of the museum as well? <laughs> it's actually old space dock, the original space dock. Yeah. All right. There was also the USS Jaeger, which is a Sabre-class ship. The NCC-1701-A Enterprise is their Kirk ship, which, did you guys have a little bone to pick with that? Because Kirk ship, Kirk ship was not the A. Oh well, I mean it, the actual previous to the A, the uh, the just the NCC one seven zero one almost could have been called Pike Ship, but that one was literally destroyed. So, oh yeah, I guess we could go with that. The A was the one that actually I think Kirk and Spock are the only ones that actually commanded that one because it was decommissioned at the end of um, episode six. So it was brought up in episode at the end of episode four into five and at the end of episode six it was decommissioned see this is like i i tweeted out earlier this week you boys get all caught up in the ships i couldn't (laughs) tell you anything about it i'm like sitting and watching like okay that's cool okay i'm almost (laughs) done here but if memory serves and i could be wrong so if you're a real big truck fan and you're into the ships like jake and i are please don't come at us with daggers but i believe that the enterprise a was actually a recommissioned uss yorktown and they just renamed it because Kirk needed an Enterprise. Uh, that I actually don't know. And that's why it had all sorts of stuff wrong with it, because it was going to be decommissioned anyway, but they gave it to Kirk. Okay, just going through the rest of the ships really quick. Yes, Shannon? So if this says the original Earth space dock, does this mean that they have come all the way back to Earth? Is that what that planet is behind it? No, they, they moved the space dock. Okay. I was like, I don't remember them always going back to Earth, but... Would they have? No, never mind. I just answered my own question. Yeah, I don't know what planet they're around, and I don't know what planet Daystrom Institute is around either. So anyway, going through the rest of the ships, you have a Romulan bird of prey. You have the actual Defiant, and the original Defiant was destroyed, so this was the second one. You have the Pioneer. You have, I believe, the original Stargazer. That was shown in the Next Generation series. You have the New Jersey. It was an original Constitution class. 
there is nothing special about this ship, but we think the collective we, the Trek fandom, thinks it's an homage to Terry Matalas because he was born in New Jersey in 1975, and it's NCC 1975. So I have a question. I had a, a listener pose this to me. A, a friend of mine posed this, this question. And I didn't have a chance to go back and, and look at the other show yet, but on BSG. You remember how they're talking about how on here today we found out that the reason that they were kept tracking them is because they're dropping the voice, you know, the signal, right? So no matter what they do, there's a tracking system on the ships. Do you remember the part in BSG where they were able to find them every time they jumped because of all the ships were linked together? That was the very first actual episode. It was called 33 and a half. So what if all these ships are linked together and they steal them and take off? And now you have extra ships that are out there trying to, to fight. I got the impression, now I could be wrong, but I got the impression that that is part of new build ships. That That's one of the reasons why that's they went true. and looked at the old stuff is because it has there. Now, what caught me by surprise, because when Jack and Ensign LaForge looked at each other and kind of started coming up with a plan, I thought they were going to steal the bird of prey, not just steal the cloaking device. Yeah, they stole the cloaking device. Also, the Defiant has a cloaking device, too, by the way. So a lot of Trek fans are pointing that out. Why are you talking about the Bird of Prey cloaking device when the Defiant also had a cloaking device? Not only that, but the Defiant would have kicked a whole lot more butt than a Bird of Prey would. Yeah, it has its limitations, though, so I'm not surprised they stuck with the Titan. Anyway, the last ships that I'm going to talk about is the Thunderchild, the actual Excelsior. Yeah, Sulu ship. Excelsior and Voyager, which we talked about. But here's the thing. When Anson LaForge was talking back and forth to Commodore LaForge, she mentioned something about, Dad, but what about Hangar Bay 12? And he shut her down. I don't know. I haven't heard anybody talking about this in Reddit or in Twitter or any of the Discord servers that I'm in or anything like that. There is something in Hangar Bay 12. So I think they're going to come back. I think they're going to go back, get whatever is in Hangar Bay 12, as well as the rest of the ships and go combat the fleet for Frontier Day. Jake, does this feel like another one of these moments where he's going to come back later and say, aha, I told you? Well, yes, but, you know, imagine if what's in Hangar Bay 12 is the Enterprise D. Yes, that would be nice. In time period, I mean, I I know I've, I've seen a couple of videos. I don't know how far past we are, but I know that we've at least had the Enterprise E? No, not the Enterprise D. The Enterprise D is the one that they blew up in generations that you've got the saucer section for. The Enterprise E is what I'm talking, is what I'm thinking about the one from the rest of the movies. Is that the one Deanna crashed? Yes. D is the one that Deanna crashed. Well, actually, she crashed both D and E. (laughs) (laughs) Two for two. So we're going to get that moment that you were talking about between Crash and Deanna. You're going to get that moment. They just set it up. to. I, you know what? I'm going to say this now. I could be completely wrong, but it felt like one of those things that was so easily set up that we're, that we're going to believe it. I'm not 100% behind the idea that that's Deanna. I'm just saying that now. I think that they needed someone to force his hand, obviously, because he just got through saying, you think I've been 35 years, you think I'm going to spill now? And he looks at her, and, okay. But I think it's too easy. Where's the daughter? I think there is, there's, there's a question that needs to be answered for Vedic, though. If she's a changeling, why does she have the scars on her face? 
Well, that was a result from the virus. They said that it had scarred them. Oh, they talked about that. Okay. When, that's the one Odo took back, right? Yeah, but it also says that maybe some of the, that she may be in, like in, for example, a older version of a changeling, and we may have some newer ones running around because the newer ones aren't, you know, she may be in a different breed, for lack of a better term. Why does she kill her own people just to, to reveal herself? I don't think they were her own people. That's a big question that I have. Why is she now not working with Starfleet? Because I thought they were all working together before, and they're not. We have a road. Well, no, she wasn't working with Starfleet. They had infiltrated Starfleet. Yeah, but correct. But she was among the infiltrees. Those were changelings. Uh, Maybe she's going scorched earth at this point. She wants something specific from Riker that the other ones aren't aware of. But you're all on the same side. It's like shooting your own troops. It's just really like, what is going on? She had no problem shooting her own troop on the bridge. Yeah, and that was just for disagreeing with her. And we did get an answer, by the way, as to the race of all those people that are on the strike. No, they're not bird people. They're actually changelings. That's what they are. Because she said misshapen and and, uh, Riker was saying how much of that goo stuff did they pump into you and stuff like that. I think they're all changelings. I've always called them the bird people because they remind me of the mask that they used to wear for the plague. Bird people. So where is Vatic? getting her information if it's not from lore that's a, that's also an interesting one i what i was about to say is is maybe we're seeing something with the changelings it may have something to do with the dna that they need if she's scarred because of the virus and you've got so many of them that can't hold themselves together enough to that they're calling them just large piles of goo and misshapen things Maybe there's something to do with that. Maybe, as I said, maybe we're looking at a distinguishment between different breeds or something of that nature that they need something in order to reconstitute themselves. I think that they would try to still, I mean, Jean-Luc Picard is a very famous admiral, very famous. If you're going to steal someone's body, they already had Kirk's body, but they don't need his body. They need, they wanted Picard. So what's special about Picard? Because even if they took it, and found a way to replicate it. It may be this syndrome that both he and Jack have. I think you're on to some, because what if his body is the cure for something? Once again, it may be that genetic abnormality between himself and Jack that it is might help them in some fashion or form, or at least give them something to allow them to step beyond whatever it is that's been holding them back. See, this is one of these episodes, it's an even number. It doesn't ever give us the answers. It makes us have more questions, but we've answered some, I guess. But it's always going to be the next episode that we get the aha moment, I think. Well, I, the other thing is, and I, what I think I, I enjoyed about this is this episode did also bring some nostalgia factor back with a with the seeing all the old ships in the museum. Not only that, but. I really just was pleased with the idea of Jordy because I think his story arc is making sense. He spent the entire series of The Next Generation and even the movies afterwards trying to find some sort of family and love. He was always trying to date somebody and failing. So the fact that he found somebody to marry them, had to marry him, had children, and now will do anything to protect them, even betray his friends though he doesn't end up actually doing that, but at least considers it. 
I think that's a good arc for him. I think the fact that they literally had to convince him, including his children, to come back and help versus just standing behind, standing back and protecting his family. I think that was a good arc for him. I'm enjoying that. I loved how Beverly hugged both him and Worf. I loved how she hugged Worf. That was a great moment for me. He's like, ah, get away. Ah, now, now. But that was a great she wasn't going to stop. Yeah. Oh, and Riker trying to reestablish his banter with Worf and failing miserably was fun. It's fun whenever those two get together. I've been rewatching The Next Generation. I'm almost done with season three. I believe at the end of last episode, I said I was done with season one. I'm almost done with season three. So that's how fast it's going. It gets better. It gets tremendously better as you go along. It's incredibly how much better it gets. So that's good. But a couple of the things that I watched, I watched the episode where Riker went to be the executive officer, the first officer on the Klingon ship. I watched the episode where Riker and Worf were fighting in the holodeck together. It was his morning calisthenics, Worf's morning calisthenics, and Riker was in there, so I saw that. And I saw the episode where Worf was disgraced on his homeworld because of what his dad did, and he stepped back so that the society wouldn't collapse, basically, on itself. I think that was, uh, re-watching it, I think it was the wrong move. But anyway, I watched all that. I watched the history with Worf and Riker and Picard. There is some strong, strong history between those three. I'm glad we got the three of them together, although very briefly. Now, Jake, you were talking about the nostalgic part that we were shown this episode. I think for me, my favorite part was when you know Lore was going to come back. And eventually you were going to probably see Data too. But I liked the whole moment that they had on, on the base where the whistling part Yes. And they brought and they and they flash back to the very first episode of TNG, and he finished the pop goes the weasel whistle, and he talked about how he was great this this this, but he was horrible at trying to whistle. He never could carry a tune. But I think for me, my favorite moment of this episode was the facial expressions that Brent Spiner had. He nailed the facial expressions perfectly, of just like he would always have. He would I, I can't explain it. It was just you could just tell when he would go from one. From lore to before to data, you could just tell. I mean, just I thought that was a marvelous job that he did. And the fact that you actually have a schizophrenic android, I'm finding that enjoyable as well. I watched the episode with Lol, by the way, a very impactful episode, especially considering where we are now. If you go back and watch that episode now, it's like, whoa, because you're at the very beginning. Yeah, you, you had just gotten done with Data being given his rights through a trial system in Starfleet. And now this was the next thing. He's like, yeah, I was just procreating. Nobody else on this ship has to ask permission to procreate. This is what I was trying to do. And then you watch Lal and everything that she did on the ship, all in that bottle of that one episode. It's amazing. And most of those memories have been in Data since that episode. So you've got Lal, you've got B4, you've got Data. You've got lore and you've got soon. You got five personalities that we know of at least and an that android. are in there. Yeah. That are in there in a body that's mostly human from what they were saying versus synthetic and positronic. So it'll be interesting as we go forward of actually how that character is going forward. Originally, when I was taking a look at Brett Spiner coming back in here, I was like, no, we we're done. We gave data this amazing send-off. Why are we going back here? And I can kind of see it now. I'm still hesitant, but I can kind of see it. 
I'm glad they bring him back in whatever capacity they're going to do. But I like his multiple synthetic personalities. <laughs> but which season of Picard was it where they stole the before? Was it beginning of this one? Of Picard 3? Isn't that what they stole from that drawer of the Daystrom? No, that was season one, I believe. Okay. So even season one, they tied that back. And then they tied it back again to season two with Picard's body. Well, before was even Nemesis, too. So they've strung before along quite some time. And yeah, in the dirt. And I think we also have to at least, I know I keep harping on this on the fact that Starfleet is definitely having some moral issues. And I think looking at what they have stashed away in Daystrom is kind of confirming that once you realize that A, they've been collecting bodies to experiment on as well as etc. But maybe that's because of the infiltration with the, with the changelings. Maybe they haven't always had that. True. I mean, it seems like a great plot in order to, to gather information. I will admit that I was happy that it turned out to be James Kirk's body because what I thought I saw when it went past, which is why I rolled it past, was John Harriman, which was the alias they gave Khan in the the Benedict Cumberbatch version of Khan. So I was like, oh, please tell me we're not going back there. I don't see the benefit of having Kirk's body, though. That's a great question. Which iteration of Kirk would that be? Would that be the Shatner version? I can tell you because I saw somebody on Twitter while ago. They actually zoomed in on the words and it's talking about the Kirk that was helping Picard. Yeah. Because when they went to recollect the saucer section in order for Prime Directive, they probably recollected his body as well. Right. Yeah. You mentioned, Jake, you mentioned the whole thing about the whistling. Uh, just to tie a bow on that, it was one of the first scenes, if not the first scene, I'd have to remember back in Encounter at Four Point. But if you remember correctly, at the end of season two, this was the shortened season because of the writer's strike. So it was 22 episodes versus 26 episodes. At the very end, they had Riker go through some mind virus thing, some thing that was attached to his mind, and he was having hallucinations. And they showed that scene several times at the end of season two. So this is not the first time since the beginning of the show that you've seen it. You also saw it at the end of season two. Which means it's going to be a big play in something else other than just this moment. Well, it also makes sense that that would be what Data would use to reach out to him. Because it was something the two of them shared together that no one else knew about. It was just the two of them in the holodeck. Actually, was Wesley in there? I can't remember. Wesley was there, too. No, that was just the two of them. And that's how they recognized, when Data recognized him walking through the halls. And he's like, that's how he gave out his security passcode, I guess, password for it. I mean, when he recognized him, that's how he knew to send out the, what was it, Moriarty? Yeah, Moriarty. Moriarty. So I think if it was just Worf, it would probably maybe been a memory that only him and Worf would have had. I think she'd have been screwed. Riker had, has and had more personal contact with more of the crew. And it makes sense as his position as first officer. Right. But he's the one that has personal moments with most of the crew. Whether it's playing at Ten Ford and Jazz, or whether playing poker, or sitting having drinks with the lower deck people on Ten Ford, yeah, I mean he's he's always been the liaison between the people and 
the captain. Not only that, but he was the one, you know, he's got personal moments with Worf. He's got, you know, actually going back to the episode where uh, Worf has to stand trial for his father. I will have to say that I was really surprised story wise that he chose Picard, not Riker to stand next to him. I think they had to do that story wise because they needed the commanding officer, not the first officer. It makes sense, but at the same time, I, I I understand why they did it, but at the same time, character-wise, I don't think that's who he would have chose. I agree. Riker had, had much more aligned himself to uh, the Klingon culture. Even in that episode itself, Worf's brother comes on to be the exchange officer on the Enterprise, and then re- finally ends up revealing himself to Worf, and they end up going back to the Klingon homeworld from there because of the issue with their father, uh, Morg. So Riker was trying to go back and forth with the first officer. Can we say that the best line in that episode was when he came into dinner and they asked him, how was he doing? And his response was, I just had to restrain myself from killing Mr. Riker <laughs> from in the turbo lift. Yeah, that was, that was good. You for remember the offering episode. a suggestion. Another great moment in this episode that we're talking about now, the Picard episode, the bounty was when Shaw met Jordy LaForge and just started geeking out like one engineer to another. It's like idolizing him. It was like, oh my gosh. And he was like, like stuttering all over himself. And you know that Todd Stashwick was like, this is my chance to meet LeVar Burton and work with LeVar Burton. So it was like both of them combined. Jordy's like, settle down, settle down. <laughs> there is another way they could have gone with that because they really could have gone the when Jordy meets Scotty direction with that too. Oh, I forgot about that one. Because with the whole thing that things had changed enough that, you know, similar to what they were doing to Picard, similar to what he was doing to Picard in the first episode, Jordy could have been walking on saying, you know, can we try this and try that? And, and, um, uh, uh, Captain could have been going, it doesn't work that way anymore. I like the scene between when Forge and Picard are going at it and you, you still, what? You still, and, oh, yeah, it's Jack. Oh, it's Sydney. Yeah. So I'm like, ah, oh, it's going to be a pair. Yep. Jack's going to cure Sydney LaForge's. <laughs> don't talk to my daughter. When he said don't talk to my daughter, he's like, <laughs> well, I might continue. So, I mean, it looked pretty. Threat to fathers of daughters everywhere. Jack everywhere. Crusher. Once again, it goes back to, can we get a series of the Titan? Because they're, they're developing these relationships. You know, you can definitely see a friendship, if nothing else, going on between Jack and Ensign LaForge. To me, it felt like a. When they revealed that it was Picard's body that they stole, to me, I'm like screaming at the TV. I'm like, this cannot be the end of Picard. You, you just literally gave us a whole other plot line for a movie, or we've only got what four more episodes left. Come on, they've got to do something. As much Something. as I would love it, Patrick Stewart's just getting older. You know, at some point in time, he's, you know, you've got a couple of opportunities for continuing series in this vein. They've opened up two opportunities, one of them very explicitly and the other one a little bit more subtly. Whereas, as we've talked about before, go out, go into an exploratory uh, series with the Titan and the cast that we've seen now. You could also take Raffi and add another cast around her and almost create a spy political thriller out of what's going on in Starfleet at the moment. There was supposed to be that show anyway. Her and Seven. Uh, no, it's Michelle Yeoh. 
Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen because in the intervening time, like since we started Michelle this, won an Oscar. <laughs> she won an Oscar. So she's not coming back to Trek. Yeah. Well, I mean, there has been, there's still been talk about it. And the worst part about it is, is her character was one of the redeeming value to Disco. Yes. I liked her character more than anybody until they, until we met Anson Mount. She's just got a lot of political chips in Hollywood just because she won that award and she's got to cash those in before reverting back to television. I think we're going to see more actors go back and forth between streaming series and the big screen just because nobody knows where exactly the money is going to be long term. But I think she's going to stay on the big screen for a little bit. Well, I don't think Michelle Hurd has enough power to carry another show single by herself. I think she's going to need the character of seven to nine. And I don't think the two of them are enough. I think they're going to need Todd. So if you have those three and then add the children of like the forge and Jack, I think all of them, I think Jack could stay. I think he would follow Sydney at this point. What is the title? That's the working title. That's on Twitter right now. Star Trek legacy. Le- is legacy? That it? Yeah, yeah. Legacy I, for a, a Titan follow on series. Yeah. yeah. But I haven't really followed about who it's it. supposed to be. At this point, I would too. Yeah. I watch all Star Trek mostly. I've said it before and I'll say it again. They have put together the basis for a continuing show of that nature. It, whether they intended to or not, they've got it going. Because even if even if if Picard is two on up there in his years, the rest of them's not. I mean, I could I could totally see Brent Spiner coming back and doing something. I mean the problem with Brett Spiner doing anything is that he's just going to age even more. And it, it was always a consideration with him as he got older. Can he continue playing the same data in the same body that doesn't grow old? Well, they, I think they answered that in this episode, though. They did, but I don't know if you want to go down that or not. I do believe we're going to lose all TNG people. I think they're going to close out the characters from TNG and move. And if they choose to move forward, move forward with the characters that they are creating at this moment. So maybe I'm wrong, but did we not, did we hear that they were going to kill a main character? Was that a rumor? I didn't hear that. You said it, but I haven't heard it. I think I could have swore I heard it somewhere. I'm thinking as much as I don't think that's Deanne, I'm like, what if she's the one that's, I don't know. I hope not. I think if they're going to kill anybody, that it's got to be some of the new people because I really don't want to see my TNG people die. I hope they go off with the same sort of signatures that they did for the original series yes. after six. I honestly do. I think that it would be a classy way to send the crew out. But until then, we have four more episodes to figure out what the heck is going on. Okay. A couple of things. First of all, the heist of Daystrom Station, because that's what it all was. This is a heist. And at the end, when they got the getaway car that's swooping in and just doing the flight down and doing the evasive action around the Eklon ships and then going down so they could beam up everybody and then warp out. Amazing action. I know it was all CGI, but it looked great. And then we have this continuous now 72 hours countdown to Frontier Day. That is the ultimate thing that we're looking for, because I don't think we're just going to get it in the next episode. No, that just means the story speeds up. Right. And we've got four episodes. So basically four episodes to go 72 hours with maybe a coda at the end. Well, they've, they've got to rescue Riker and Deanna, if that's her. They got to figure out that, that she's even over there. You're going to see the episodes where Worf is going and trying to rescue him, like he said, like him and Picard were talking about. 
don't you still think that the whole Yar's daughter is going to pop up? You're going to get Sella. And also, you, where's the Shrike heading for right now? The Shrike is heading to pick up Laris. Because <laughs> they want to trap Picard. And Damn. to get Picard, you need to get the bait. Okay. I'm just. Man, did they kill her? Ooh. Maybe that's the funeral. Damn it. Maybe she's the one who's got a connection to Sella's. Yeah. Could go anyway right now, right? That's what's making it exciting to watch. I was doing good and she just popped put that image in my head. I don't think they kill her off. I like you, Jake. I like you. I don't see a reason to. You know, she's Picard's off into the sunset. Well. But is she really? Yeah. I think she is. Well, I think it's the three of them. Well, yeah, okay. So I think we're at the point where Beverly and Picard are They've acknowledged that they're romantically incompatible at this point. Yes, and that's actually what I was about to say. I think there's enough betrayal there that they may be able to accept one another being around and, you know, maybe even going back to having a friendship of some fashion or form. But I don't think there's any romance there at all anymore. Yeah, just a lot of history and good friendship at this point. And they, their parents. Yes. I mean, it, it is, I think there's that level of respect there, but I, I don't think the relationship will ever be what it was again. No, ironically, where I'm at with the next generation talking about parents is that two of the crew have actually become parents in the span of the next generation towards the end of season three. You've got Deanna Troy that had the intergalactic love child that just wanted to experience humanity or whatever. <laughs> Troy was the mom, so she's a parent. And then Data created Lal and became a parent that way. So those two were parents. It was really uh, exciting. Worf. Alexander Roshenko. Oh, the kid hasn't been born yet. But yes, they have gotten together. Okay, fair enough. Oh, I, 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 no, I didn't know we're talking timing. I, I, I thought we were just men as far as next generation is concerned. Yeah, I mean, even LaForge now has kids, right? But at the point I am... But it was really funny at one point in time that Troy was walking down the hallway and they were talking, it was the episode with Lal and Picard was just going off with Troy and she's like, you've obviously never been a parent. And of course, Data had been a parent at that point and then she had been a parent. So it was just kind of funny to note that. And now he's a parent. He can actually claim that. Check. Wouldn't it be funny to watch everyone sitting around the, the conference table and you have Picard and Crusher, love child in between, and then you have... The Forge and his two girls on either side of him. And then Riker and Troy are going to have their, their daughter somewhere there. And I mean, that could create a whole new crew of just the next generation, next generation. Cindy LaForge and Jack Crusher's kid. They're going to have a love child. It's going that way. <laughs> By the way, I took the liberty to just jot down my favorite to least episodes of these six. So you can agree or disagree. We'll start with number six. This is the least favorite was episode two disengage that was the episode that we all had lots of difficulty with we're like yeah but i was expecting more and we had to wait till episode five to get it so anyway two is my bottom of the rung number five is episode four no win scenario number four is episode one the next generation which is a good episode but there's more above it number three is the bounty which is this episode that we're talking about right here Number two is episode three, 17 seconds with the elevator ride, their turbo lift ride that they both took there. And the number one was last episode, Imposters. That's my 
favorite to least favorite list. So imposter was your least favorite. You're no. far more detailed in that than I am. I know. He's always that way. <laughs> Imposters was number one. That's my favorite. And then disengage was my least favorite. Disengage was the no, that was 17th, which was disengage number two, right? Yes. I didn't think that there was. I think there should have been more in that episode between Beverly and Picard other than the one little small, it wasn't even an argument. Just one little small reveal that they had sick bay wasn't enough for me after 25 something years of, or 35 years in real life, but 25 years of the kid's life. I don't think there was enough emotion behind that. I think he should have been more pissed off and I think she should have been more regretful, but they didn't give it to us. I don't think she feels regretful at all. I think she just the fact of what's going on right now in her mind proves, proves. that she did exactly what I she was it. supposed to have done. But I think after all these years of TNG fans everywhere, I think I would have, I personally would have, I was hoping for more of a reunion. So if you can't have them be together, then let's see them be pissed off at each other and explain more details of where they've been all this time. What have you been doing for these 25 years? Where have you been? I think what you're probably dealing with, though, is the fact that there isn't time for that in the midst of a crisis. We have to figure out what we're dealing with right now and deal with what's been going on for 25 years later, if we survive. True, but through all these episodes, like even right now, she seems very chummy still walking. So look, it, to me, it looks like he has forgiven everything because she was at his elbow at every time on this episode because everyone that came onto the ship, she was right there to greet him. So, I mean, it looked like, like when she was explaining to him about the syndrome that Jack now has. Okay, but th think. I guess think about it this way. A, a guy who has worked his way up through the system in that fashion for as long as he has has to have been able to learn to work and play well with others, even those he may not necessarily be all that happy with right now. Otherwise, he'd have never survived command of a starship. Yeah, okay, I give it to you. It's true. Seven days or for 10 years. I just would like to have more acknowledgement of it. It's even above and beyond what we think of for like submarines and sailing ships in the modern day, because you'll be captain of one of those for what, several months to maybe a year? Depends on deployment. Usually it's about six months, but they can okay. extend that. But so compare that to a person who's had to work and live with those people for 10 years in a confined space and manage to deal with personality conflicts i think he's in crisis mode you know we'll deal with that stuff later we're we have to figure out the information we need for the crisis right As now jordy said when are you not when is it not life or death it's always life true or death he, you. He, we also may be figuring out that that part of even why beverly left him was because he lives his life in crisis mode and it would put jack in danger Guys, I came up with a solution to a problem that's been in my head since I watched this episode. So we have the Titan being networked with all these other ships and they can track it, right? They just right. get close enough to other ships. It's like an Apple ID tag, right? You get close enough to another iPhone, bang, it pings and you know where it is. So I know how they can seal themselves off from this network. You know that biological stuff from the nebula? <laughs> They just need to go back there and put all that love juice all around the Titan, and now See, it's isolated. I was watching your face. Or they need to go steal an old Enterprise from uh, uh, from from the Mothwall. Of Hangar B-12. 
they'll eventually get there. But in the meantime, they got to protect the Titan. So they got to go back to the nebula, cake it with that stuff, and then... See, I was watching your face, and I knew it sounded like you were about to be serious and make a prediction, but then you didn't. So I'm like, okay, I see where you're going there. You think I'm not serious. I'm serious, because they brought it up. Go back and get covered by love juice. Yep. Is that what you just said? Yep. Gross. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were right about the whales, but these were, you know, squid juice. Okay, squid juice. (laughs) Go get covered in it. Let's go. Come on, guys. I'm sitting in Sean's seat. I got to do these things, right? <laughs> oh, God. He'd have been at worst. No. Yeah. That, like... that, 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 <laughs> if if Sean were here, it wouldn't have been, lo- it wouldn't have been uh, space love juice. It would have been space splooge or something of that nature. That's exactly what he would have said. Yeah. You, said you know what? I we're going to stick with you, SB. We're going to stick with you. <laughs> For now. After this season, I'm out. You get Sean back. No swale splooge. All right. Any other predictions besides what I just said? <laughs> yeah, I have the image stuck in my head. Thanks. Blah. Yeah, I, I, I want to see him go back and steal what's in the other hangar. Hangar 12. Yep. Hangar 12. Space stock, by the way, if you take a look at the picture, there's hangar 7 and 15 in view. 12 is not in view, but I don't know. It's in disguise. It kind of goes back to why I thought they were going to steal the bird of prey for a moment. Because if you remember, Scotty had that thing rigged to fly with minimal staff. So that was why I thought maybe you could get the two of them just to go steal that and run away or something of that nature and try to save them. Well, the only reason they would come off of Titan is if it was damaged. But if they damage it, then you wouldn't. No, no. I meant those two and actually oh, i thought they also when i saw that because what i also saw happening is is the reason why they managed to drag jordy in was jordy was coming with them to rescue his daughter Ew. that's what i thought they were doing when i saw that when they, when they started having those you know googly eyes over stealing something that's what i thought they were doing now i do have to admit watching jordy come into engineering and go clear out everyone i know what i'm doing was kind of cool it's kind of cool. I think it was just trying to sell. It was self-preservation. It's like, this thing's going to blow up unless I fix it, and I don't want to blow up. Not to mention that his daughter showed him up. But the two of them standing there at each other going, what do we do? I don't know. What do you I do? I don't think he's supposed we, to do that. And, and then him just walking in going, I got this. Get out of the way. Amateurs. Also, he knows that Starfleet is coming to arrest anybody that has been involved in this whatsoever, and he wants to protect the Starfleet of the Federation from whatever ha- is happening with Frontier Day. Remember, three strong rewarded memos, right? So his only way to do that now is by jumping on the Titan. And because it's not going to leave. But that also goes back to prove that there's, that whether, once again, we want to talk about it being the infiltration of the changelings or, or what, that something is definitely been wrong and been wrong in Starfleet for a while because... For a long while. Even he often the corner relegated off to, you know, museum duty has been trying desperately to communicate that there's something wrong going on. He's seen it. He's just basically closed it off and decided he's going to protect his family. And when he was talking about how you, I'm, I've been trying to get them to not have all of our ships in one location, that, that is a security issue. We'll see. And once again, if they'd have just stolen the Genesis device, they could have blown it up and lived on the new planet. <laughs> So when he's talking to Sydney, he's like, Sydney, just let Starfleet handle it. And she threw it right back at him. Dad, I am Starfleet. This is what I do. This is what you should be doing. That was a great conversation. 
Now, the other part about it, it was rather endearing when she looks at him and goes, why do you think I crashed all those ships? It meant I got to hang out with my dad and put him back together. Right. Oh, that's a sob story. Let me tell you, as a guy with grown daughters, they'll give you the sob story. In reality, they just wanted to have fun, crash the ships. The, the thing afterwards of, oh, dad, I just wanted to spend time with you is don't be bad at me for all those times. But Kayla, it is normally means she's motivated by food. She just wants Taco Bell or something. I, li- I love you, mom. Yeah. I get to listen to her talk about Burger King for an hour this weekend. So I get it. Believe me. You and Sean better bring up those pictures I sent you. <laughs> oh, a- oh, absolutely. I'll send them to you, Shannon. I'm not going to say anything on this cast because it'll probably drop beforehand. And just on the off chance that she hears any of it, I'm not going to say anything about it until after you guys record. She didn't listen to this at all. I have to, I, if Sean plays it and- create a Trekkie, I'm trying. She will sit and watch some of it with me, and I'm like quietly looking at him. Yes, that's that's because Trek does not have a baby Yoda yet. Hmm. If Trek had a baby Yoda, she'd watch. They get to blow up stuff, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying. This wasn't my favorite episode. It was my third favorite episode, but the top three are pretty close together. What about you guys? I haven't ranked them. Uh, you know, I, I've been looking at this as one large story, so I just want what's next. I haven't ranked them. I really liked last episodes with Ro because it was such a, I didn't see it coming. I was so excited when she first appeared on the screen that I literally screamed at it. So that was the first large reaction I've had of this of the season. So I mean, I'm happy about all the other stuff, but that's what I screamed at. And I'm yelling for something. I'm like, come here, look who's on my screen. But I like them all. I think some of them are, are like I've said before, we, we've been numbering them. The, the odd ones have been good. I don't want to give anybody hope, but remember, we've seen Ro's ship explode. We did not see, see her explode. You didn't see a body. She could have beamed out. How many times have we seen ships explode to find out that the person beamed out at the last second? Here's what could have happened with that. They could have beamed her out of that shuttle and onto the ship, and then they could have made her a changeling. What? Made her a changeling? You can't convert they somebody. Don't, they into. don't need to make her a changeling. They can just rep- reproduce her. Yes. Yeah. I, they, I think they could have taken her off of the ship before it exploded, brought her onto, what was the, the I called it the Duracell. It was the Intrepid. Intrepid. But you called, it's Duracell. That's fine. It keeps on going. You're right. Yes. I'm going to keep it. So. I think if, if that's what they were going to do, I think that would have been a moment where they would have taken her off the ship before it exploded. And then I think that might be the only way you would see her again if you didn't see her body. I like the idea of having her back because I love Michelle and I love Ensign Rowe, but I think it would cheapen her sacrifice. That's what made the episode so good. I think the only time you would see the actress back again is if they have replicated her to keep continuity within Starfleet. And at some point she tries to show up and tell Picard, oh, oh no, I beamed out. Everything was okay. And that, now it's all solved. You can go home now. And yeah, that's a series I'd watch. And then whether or not Picard falls for it or not. You put Roe in charge of a ship. I'm all about that series. That'd be kind of nice. Yeah, thinking about it. I just don't know if she'd want to do I don't know, maybe. is Because then, after doing this, she'd know how beloved she was. Anyway, that was all my thoughts on the episode. Anything left? Either of you two? No, I'm pretty good. I just think, like always, 
the, the even episodes leave us wanting more answers and we always have questions. Did you get up early in the morning on Thursdays to watch the episodes to, even still because I want to not be spoiled by whatever happens in whatever Discord server, Twitter, whatever. I want to see it right away. Watch it early Thursday mornings, but I, I watch it before I go on Twitter. I don't want to be spoiled either. So normally I'm like looking ahead at other shows because I can't, I don't have patience. I don't, I don't, I don't want to wait. But Again, I think that's what's so good about this series to this point is it is good enough that nobody that's a Trek fan wants to spoil it for another Trek fan. Like if you go into a discord server, everybody will use spoiler tags. They're like, this is a spoiler channel. Why are you using spoiler tags? Because I don't want to give it away even to somebody else that is a Trek fan. And so far it's, owned up to it so yes so far i love the fact that almost every episode has felt cinematic to me whether it's the music score or the battle scenes or the ship scenes that they're fighting and i I like that they were able to bring it back and i like that it when it dies out and it goes out that i hope it goes out in a blaze of glory for tng fans I still think you're going to have a Laris and Picard off into the sunset moment. I'm still going to be here for it. That hasn't changed. Now, I still would prefer Beverly and Laris, but that's always always going to be me. Hey, you're going to have Raffi and Seven call it a day. Well, they were very standoffish with each other this episode. Well, yeah, they have to have their moment to get back together. So do you guys know what the next episode is titled? I don't look ahead at all. Dominion. Pat's bringing it back. It would be kind of interesting to see some Jem'Hadar come back. Yeah. There's no synopsis yet. Just the title, Dominion. I'm liking it already. Well, again, that's an odd number, so you know we're going to love it. Well, the, the other thing is, is, do we head back towards Deep Space Nine at any point in time for the wormhole? Because that's where the changelings are coming from. You've got this weird graphic at the end. I have no idea what it is. I've talked about it before. At the very end of the credits. Yeah. I, know, I know which one you're talking about. That you, You're right. It, 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 most things have given us a significance in some fashion, form, or the other. That one has yet not yet. Is the graphics at the end where you see the notes, is that data song, the, the Pop Goes Weasel song? Yeah, maybe it could be something else too. I don't know. Uh, no, what he what he's talking about is something that where you can see something kind of disrupting something else, and it doesn't really kind of give you enough of a graphic to tell you what is disrupting what. There's also a spot in the credits where there's a targeting computer, and whatever they're targeting looks obscured. So I'm wondering if they're going to change that in the credits once we get to that point in the series. That could have been them trying to talk about trying to find them now that they have a cloaking device. Or after they put the nebulous splooge all over the Titan. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's what we're talking about next week. Season three of Picard, episode seven, Dominion. Looking forward to that. Well, splooge. Okay. Until then, if you have any comments, please tweet Shannon on our Twitter account at Trek underscore worlds or give me an email. Stargate Pioneer at Gunna Geek, spelled G-O-N-N-A-G-E-E-K dot com. All right. I'm looking forward to hearing from everybody. We'll see everybody next time. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. 
This has been an episode of the Strange New Worlds Fancast P3 edition. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us. If you'd like to hear more shows like this one, you can find us at strangenewworlds.podbean.com for more podcasts on Strange New Worlds and the Picard final season. If you'd like to contact us, you can hit us up via email at strangenewworldsfancast at gmail.com or on Twitter at trek underscore worlds. We are a part of the Lone Wolf Podcast Network. You can hear more of this cast and other shows like it by checking us out at lonewolfpodcasts.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Hey, I spent most of the day watching John Wick. All of it? Like one, two, three, four? Two and four. I haven't seen any of it. Well, I mean, if you're into action movies, it's definitely fun. I've heard it's good. I just haven't had the time to, like, there's always something else that comes up. Like, oh, I need to watch this or I need to watch this. So I haven't watched it, but it is on my list. It's not like I'm like, no, I'm not going to watch it. I just haven't gotten to it. The first two movies were, as far as just authentic, the term they've come up with it for is gun foo, but as far as just authentic use of firearms, and just brutal simplicity in in action it was perfect i think this last movie and then the one before it's gotten big enough that they've lost some of that i've heard that for a lot of people four is the best my problem with four is the fact that unless we want to start thinking that there's something supernatural going on or he's got a captain america serum in him there's no way that he should have still been standing with the amount of punishment they put him through. On another note, what was your impression of the Top Gun movie? Oh, from an entertainment perspective, I loved it. It was fun. It was great. From a a realistic standpoint, I actually have a whole Twitter thread of me ranting. The first time I went skeet shooting with my brother, not knowing how to hold a shotgun at the time, actually, I did the same thing to myself. I bruised that arm so bad that the, that bruise is, was there for many, many years because it bruised underneath my skin. I'm like, what the f- is that still there? But that's what it was. I remember coming home that night and through all the testing and all the running we did, I had like ice pack on my arm and frozen peas on my hand. And <laughs> yeah, I'm not a shotgun girl. My dad tried to teach me the right way with shotgun. He said, son, you're going to learn on a single shot. Well, why is that? Because it's safer for me. (laughs) (laughs) Energize.